Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In 2004, the United States' first problem-solving court around prostitution was created in Queens County, New York. The court, presided over by the Honorable Toko Sarita, attempts to redress the way women and young girls are arrested for prostitution and are shuffled through the criminal justice system. With unparalleled access to the workings of the court, Blown Up captures what it feels like to go through the criminal proceedings as a female defendant. And that is the sort of the introduction, the beginning of what this wonderful documentary is about. The film is called Blowing Up, and we are we are speaking with the director. Uh, that would be Stephanie Wong Brial. Stephanie, welcome to Film School. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, uh, thank you, and I'm really happy to have you here today. I, I do think that this is one of those things uh, that we all know about in terms of, I mean, the oldest, pro- you know, the oldest profession, this kind of stuff, which we sort of, it's always just kind of uh, spoken of in in hushed tones as to w- what's going on here, this, that, and the other thing, and how these women get into it. And your film is a very honest and forthright look at this and in a way that we don't often see uh and the women and the people in this in this film are given ample opportunity to present a a fully realized look at what it is that this film is about so congratulations for having achieved that but how did you get in to this particular subject so um i learned about this courtroom in 2014. I was reading the New York Times and I read an article about Judge Sarita and this space and these words in the New York Times article. And I was really curious, like, what does all of this mean? What does decriminalizing prostitution mean when you're doing it inside a criminal court building? And who are these women who are being labeled these words, like you said, sex trafficking, um, prostitution, and, um, and and sex workers, you know, what are what are these different terms that we're throwing on these women, and what do they represent? So, I forwarded the article onto my business partner and producer, Carrie Weprin, and I said, let's hop on the F train and go check this place out. And so we did that, and we observed the courtroom in action. And um, through a contact that I had at the New York Women's Foundation, I was able to um, get introduced to Judge Sarita, and she welcomed us back into her chambers. Um, and when we told her what we, who we were and what we were doing, and I gave her my two previous films as sort of my calling card and said, you know, we're, we're possibly interested in making a film about this place. She, um, she laughed. She thought we were very cute. Um, <laughs> she's like, oh, that's so sweet and naive of you to think that you could ever make a film about this place. Because um, there's so much protection so much um, trauma involved for their clients that, you know, she was like, that that sounds like an impossible feat. And to get everyone else's, all the stakeholders to accept this kind of idea, she was like way too far-fetched. And then on top of that, she's like, and I hate being in front of the camera. So maybe you can get everyone else involved, but I definitely um, don't want to be involved. (laughs) So that's where we started off. You know, no access and no one really wanting to make the film. And that continued 
throughout the entire filmmaking process. Really, you know, once we did finally get access, which took 10 months, oh my. Um, we observed the courtroom in action for 10 months, developing relationships um, and figuring, understanding what these words meant. And then also for me, it was a great time for me to develop a plan of how I wanted to capture the space, what I would need to capture the space, um, and, you know, thinking about how I wanted to tell this story. Because I knew I did not want to make a character-based film because this work and this, these terms are so broad and diverse and no one knows that. I knew that I wanted to make a portrait of a system to represent all sides of this dialogue because the sex worker spectrum is vast mm -hmm. and it is extremely divisive right now among the feminist movement. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just telling one woman's story or one idea, one definition of trafficking. I really wanted to like sort of give a visual breath to the broad spectrum of women and their multiple identities that they have who are working in this space. Well, you were talking about the strategy that you know, sort of developed over that 10-month period. Oh, right, the portrait of a system. Yeah, and that idea. And, that, and I think that's fantastic. So the sort of the impediment to getting this thing underway actually became uh, a positive for you in terms of giving you an opportunity to sort of lay this thing out in your mind. And having spent that much time in the courtroom, I'm sure you saw all the spectrum of the of the yeah. this side of the of the, the the what we're dealing with when we talk about sex workers and and trafficking and all the rest of it uh, was there things in it that you were I mean what surprised you the most or what was yeah what was the thing that you didn't expect to hear in that maybe in that ten month period that really kind of refocused your attention on how you were going to tell this story oh man so many things because um you know before i came into this courtroom i really knew very little about sex work and trafficking um i made a film my previous film was about foster care and i knew that a lot of foster care who age out of the system end up being trafficked and that was the extent of my knowledge really um i had my own opinions my own moral compass um walking into the space and all of those opinions and that moral compass were shattered by this work um, so I learned, I mean, like, there's just so many different things I learned. One thing that was really surprising to me, I remember, which I could not film, was when a 13-year-old was, was arrested and came into the court. And everyone was like, you're 13? What are you doing here? You're not supposed to be targeted anymore because of this Commercial Sexual Exploitation Act that was filed federally that they were not going to be putting 13-year-olds in jail for prostitution arrests. And yet here she was slipping through the holes of the system and being arrested. She had spent the night in Rikers Island um, and before coming into this courtroom. And the judge meeting was like, okay, this case is dismissed. I want you to go back to school. I'm sorry that you had to go through this. Um, you know, and like, that's how this courtroom got started was actually Judge Fernando Camacho was um, the judge who started this court in 2004. And he started it along with the GEMS um, uh, organization because they were realizing that so many young girls were being arrested and being charged for prostitution when these girls were under the age of 18 and how much agency and choice did they have in this whole process. None. And yet the criminal justice system was farther stripping away any rights they had to their individuality. Right. So um, that was really, I think, one of the most shocking, terrifying things that I saw witnessed in the courts while I was observing one of the many. Right. And and one of the things I want to focus on first before I, I get to the next question, to explain what GEMS is. So GEMS is this organization in Harlem 
Um, it's called the Girls and Educa- Girls Education and Mentoring Services, and they started their work um, working with um, young girls who have been um, experienced domestic violence or child abuse growing up, and then they moved into the trafficking space because the correlations of uh, domestic violence, uh, violence, and abuse, and trafficking are very large. You know, this courtroom is really uh, a space where there's an intersection of so many different issues facing these young girls and women Hmm. who are being arrested. Well, you know, it's interesting. You you brought up the the, the first judge to oversee this court who sort of created the court uh, was a man. A man of color. A man of color. Interesting because... Almost everyone in the system that was that I saw in the courtroom in your film uh, blowing up was a woman. And yes, and so it's interesting to see what I assume to have been kind of a uh, an evolution of the court. I mean, I I don't because with with men and I'm going to make some broad generalizations here, so shoot them down if you want. With a with a predominance of men, which it sounds like what the court system generally is, but also in in this particular case probably was before. This this what I saw as a preponderance of women in the courtroom is that well, would you know even how much it's changed the perspective and the eff- efficacy of what's happening in that courtroom? Um, is, is that is that a fair well, question to ask you? Like his, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I, so in terms of like historically, I don't know how much it's changed things. I know that Judge Sarita has been asked this question, how did you form this space? And Judge Sarita always says, like, I didn't cherry pick everyone who's in here. It's like it's formed on its own organically. Okay. Um, and that's also why I wanted, I mean, I observed other HTIC courtrooms in work in Brooklyn and Manhattan, and they're both wonderful as well, but what I really particularly loved about the Queen's courtroom in particular were, were the personalities and characters of each of these women who work in the court. They were larger than life, they had larger than life personalities, and they each came to this issue with different dilemmas and perspectives, but regardless of their dilemmas and moral values, they were doing everything they could in the role that they were in to help these women. Yeah. And I just found all of that confluence of things, something so fascinating and interesting to see what happens when we really work together. Um, and this, and, it, and, it, and it is interesting that it's also a bunch of women, female-led leaders working together to make change for another group of women. Yeah. In the system. In right. the system. We're being shuffled through the system, really. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're part of the system that has, in the past, been a revol- more or less a revolving door for the for this, for sex, for trafficking, for sex for workers. Vulnerable, for vulnerable for, women. Vulnerable women, Period. thank you. Period. Yeah. Now, um, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with the director of the new film, Blowing Up, and that would be Stephanie Wong-Brayall. And the term, Blowing Up, means what? So the term, Blowing Up, refers to to um, one of the women in the film. She talks about the day that she left her pimp. It's called Blown Up, and she blew up, and she walked away. Um, and But I also love this term because in some ways I felt like, in some ways, um, Judge Sarita, Eliza, uh, Lee, Kim, some of those stakeholders in the courtroom were trying to blow up the way the criminal justice system treats these women. But then it came like full round circle at the end of the film when ICE comes in um, and here they are, like everything they've created, this little safe haven that's trying its best to do better is blown up yeah. by yeah. 
Well, let, let let's let people watch <laughs> watch the, for all for that part of the film. But uh, I don't want to talk too much about that. But I do want yeah. to I do want to talk about you know this this situation and I mean the situation what happens in this courtroom and what I found fascinating as I was watching the film were it not for gems and for the people that you mentioned who are stakeholders in in seeing that these women get an opportunity to change their lives to to redirect their lives and all. That it would just be a revolving door. That without this other part of the the see this the thing that kept coming back to me is the criminal justice system is not is horrible at rehabilitating people or changing their lives in any significant way. That this is a positive. It, they're just it's just not currently set up that way. But with a court like that, like uh, Toko Sarita has, has oversees, and with the other part of it that we're talking about with uh, with gems and Miss Hooks and the rest of it. That's the only way this works. That's the only way these women have an opportunity to move on. Is that fair? Absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, for me and all my work, I'm really fascinated with institutions and this idea of institutions and how institutions control and change our lives. But at the heart of every institution, um, I believe, are humans. Right. And look at what happens when a group of humans come together and try to put as much humanity into a space as possible. Um, so I think that their humanity uh, is, is affecting the way that, you know, we're thinking about criminal justice and we're thinking about whether or not these women should be prosecuted at all and be coming through the system at all when we learn about just how challenging um, their lives have been, but also Looking, thinking about the options they've had in life and how are we to judge them for choosing this option when all of the options that they've had are not really, you know, amazing opportunities. Right, right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We hear the stories of the women who are in sex uh, work or the women who have been trafficked. We hear, and and absolutely right, uh, there is an internal logic not maybe not a healthy logic, but an internal logic to why they make the choices that they make, which is distressing. Yes. Yeah. Um, I want to let people know that uh, the film is opening at the Music Hall in uh, Los Angeles, technically Los Angeles. I call it Beverly Hills. It's right there on uh, Wilshire Boulevard, uh, and it's a it's a full weekend of not only a great full week. a full week. Okay. A full, yeah, well, it's a there for a full run. week. Yeah, it's there for a full week. But this weekend, an opportunity to uh, con- have conversations with people who are involved, intimately involved in these issues and ways in which the that we can be, be navigating them in a better way. And uh, this Friday, there's a, uh, there's a, I'll call it a symposium. I don't know if that's the right. Okay, Converse- we're calling them talkbacks. Talkbacks on human trafficking from victim to survivor. On Saturday, there's more conversations with uh, an attorney from uh, Clean Slate, uh, as well as yourself. You're there all weekend, which is, you know, yes. what's the Dwell um, Collaborative? Do you, are you familiar so they, with both Both Clean Slate and Dwell, they work with reentry on um, what happens and trying to get women who are coming back into society from this space, um, job placement, okay. and what that looks like. What are the challenges facing women who are coming out of the life okay. if they choose to do so into other opportunities, economic opportunities? Because that's a big set component of 
you know, what are the options they have in life. That's a, that's absolutely so true. I mean, unless unless we present people with with a, a, some kind of a, a roadmap, a path, an opportunity, uh, other ways in which uh, they can move on, this is going. It's not going to end well for a lot of them. Uh, on Saturday, we also that that's on Saturday. The uh, the clean slate attorney that would be. Uh, Elisa Kaplan, as well as Esther Sue, the co-founder of the Dwell uh, Collaborative. Also on Saturday at the 710 screening, we have Susie Q, Secretary of the Adult Performer Advocacy Committee, as well as yourself and Lauren uh, Levitt, the uh, Ph.D. candidate for communication at the University of California. Uh, Southern California, I should say, a member of the Sex Workers Outreach Project. That should be a very spirited uh, conversation, I would imagine, on Saturday evening, and then on. It's going to be a great one. Yeah, and then on Sunday. They're all going to be great, but that one's going to be great. Yeah, (laughs) just sort of something tells me that is going to be, as I said, a spirited conversation all across the the spectrum of. uh, And then, uh, um, and then also on Sunday, for the seven ten screening, we have the Bechdel. Test conversation with Melissa Verdugo and yourself. I don't know exactly what that means, but uh, what's the Be- so the Bechdel test is when you have more than two women in a film, and the two women are having conversation that is not about a man. <laughs> so the film it blows up the Bechdel test because this whole film is just full of women, and none of them are talking about men <laughs> except for like one or two instances. The yes. conversations are much bigger than that. Yes. Well, I love that idea. There you go. Well, the one there's one <laughs> conversation that w- is being had about a man, which yeah, which has to do with it, uh, the, uh, a uh, pimp uh, or a you know whatever. Yes. Yeah. So that's it. <laughs> as far as as far as I can remember, well, the, it in like cinema history, women exist to be like the lovers or supporters of men. Yeah. And their infatuations and their 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 problems in life. So how how it all we don't have any of that. No, none of it. <laughs> and how it <laughs> all revolves. <laughs> Well, it is, uh, and again, and I hardly, I haven't even mentioned just what an incredible human being the Honorable Toko Sarita is in this, and she's just on so many levels uh, a, a wonderful person, but also a real uh, strong advocate for helping people turn their lives around, and just a just a humanitarian uh, and, well, and a know, fair person. I mean. Well, I, I always like to say, too, like, you know, people are like, how this must have been so traumatizing for me to do this work, et cetera. And I was like, you know what, actually, um, not just Judge Sarita, but Eliza, and also all the women defendants who came forward and shared their story with this film. I mean, I'm so amazed with them. They're so strong, yeah. so courageous, and, like, really empowered with the choices they've made. You know, like, it's been hard. They've had a challenging life, and they're still standing and doing everything they can to change their lives. And I'm just been so um, humbled and honored to be able to share their work. Does one, that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And the one woman who talks about coming from China and kind of what the choices were and how, and one of the ways that the film gets into how they're sort of trapped, the women are trapped in these uh, in these massage parlors and the sort of she recounting her, her um first few days the four days that she worked at the at the parlor and how, how traumatic that was I, it's a clear-eyed look into the world these women are have been in and are in and are looking for ways in which to navigate their way out and uh it's yeah and also i'm gonna from a filmmaking perspective i love 
the cinematography in this film. Uh, I really liked all the one of the, the nuances of good uh, documentary filmmaking for me is not just focusing on the subject. You've got two people in a room and here's one and then we cut to the other and we go. There's, there's a lot of what I call atmospherics in your film. There's a lot of stuff that is sort of interesting things that have to do with the where they are or what they might be wearing or the way that you framed some of these women as they're telling their story while we see some of their face we don't we don't see all of her their face so there's the they have the anonymity of that but also it's just a, a lot of really wonderful cinematography point of view it just it's a really interesting film to watch so yeah no the cinematographer and I talked a lot about how I wanted to film this and I said to him you know and her there are two there are two principal cinematographers really Nadie Gomez as well as Eric Shirai. And I said to them, you know, for me, like the, the neon light, the reflective energy of New York City is something I want to play with because the neon lights, you know, represent the massage parlors. But also just like this is, everyone thinks that this is an activity that takes place at night. And so how do we play with light and reflections and reflect this story and this subject matter in a more nuanced perspective? Right. And so that was sort of my mandate to them is like, let's just constantly be creative and thinking, use the creative barriers that were being given by these women in terms of how they want to be filmed, what's okay and what's not, and think about how we can reflect their stories in a new way. Right. And also for me, it's the details. It's the, like I said, it's the hands, the hand gestures. It's the, it's mm-hmm. it's the it's the little things in a in a room or or about a character, or someone that you're you're um, you're focusing on. Those are the things that kind of uh, let our imagination kind of come into play in a way that it would if it was just a straight one shot, two shot kind of kind of a a filmmaking experience. So it's it's a terrific doc on a lot of levels, and it's been winning awards, been doing great. People who uh, who've seen it love the film I mean, in terms of kind of the reviews have been very good congratulations i really hope everyone can come out to see it the lemley music hall this weekend i really crafted this story and this film for the big screen so that people could experience it in the big screen so it would be wonderful if you could come out and, and see it in that way and i'll just say there is no better experience than to watch a wonderful film yeah. in a theater full of people and then you have the opportunity to actually talk to the people who help create that experience for you as well as a, a, a host of other interested parties and it's one of those experiences that when you're when you're there watching the film you go through the q and a and you can't help but talk about the film on your way out to your car it's just going to happen and you're going to hear people in the in the in the uh, in the lobby talking about it it's a, it's a communal experience and these are the ways in which people change their perspectives and the way that we change society in a better way great lemley music hall be sure you know that lemley, lemley music, music hall, hall on <laughs> on wilshire boulevard part of beverly hills great place to go see a film and you're gonna and on this friday saturday and sunday you're gonna have an opportunity to, to hear from people and also hear from the director uh, of this wonderful film that would be Stephanie Wong Brial and I want to thank you so much Stephanie for coming here coming to film school absolutely thank you so much for having me You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.